disclaimer, this episode does include gruesome details about true events. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crime Vine podcast. I am your host, Felicity Brooke, and if you are new here, basically, this is a true crime and conspiracy theory podcast. Now, I like to stick with cases that aren't as widely known across the globe. I feel like every case is just as important as the next, and everyone deserves justice. And not only that, how many true crime podcasts do you listen to or YouTubers that you listen to and feel like they're always covering the same like seven cases and you go to you listen to your favorite podcast one week and then you go to a, another podcast because you already listened to that week's episode and it's on the same case. I mean that's kind of heartbreaking, not going to lie. Yes, it is a different like format because it's a different um I don't want to say a podcaster is an influencer, but in a way, yes. Um it's a different like person telling the story, but at the same time, it's still kind of like, I already know what's going to happen. There's not that like element of it. You know what I mean? But anyway, so um, I do want to take a quick moment to ask you guys to please rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to. The coolest thing about it is if you are listening to this on iTunes, you can go ahead and click rate and review while you are listening to this podcast. I know that's pretty awesome, right? It's kind of cool. It sounds too good to be true, but I promise you it's not it's just that amazing. So if you guys could please do that, it'll really, really help me out and it'll help people find this podcast that wouldn't normally find it just because I'm not on my eight weeks of the first eight weeks of running this podcast. We're on like nearly a year um, and inconsistently. But so on iTunes, you get in the new and networthy if you are in eight weeks and I'm not in eight weeks. So iTunes doesn't promote my podcast or it doesn't show it to others. You have to physically search it up by name. So also spread this podcast by word of mouth to Twitter, Instagram, family members. You had a family party and just be like, hey, I got a crude crime. I got a true crime podcast you should listen to. OK, you don't have to, but it'll be awesome if you did. Also, if you want to go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Twitter, my Instagram account is at the Crime Vine podcast and Twitter is at the Crime Vine PO1. Instagram, I post more memes and about serial killers and like it's just a huge sense of humor and like a just a discussion area. And Twitter, I like to post um, case updates and information and maybe on stuff that um, either a case that I've already covered or a case that I haven't covered. I or if there's something like new that just happened, like for instance, when the the 39 dead bodies were found in the UK in a truck, I tweeted about that. So, yeah. Be sure to follow me on both. And I do more victim advocacy on Twitter. I do a lot of victim advocacy on Twitter, actually. But anyway, you guys did not just click on this podcast to hear me ramble for three minutes about nonsense. So if you guys don't already, grab yourselves a drink because this vine will rope you in. This crime takes place in Delphi, Indiana. Delphi is a very small city in Carroll County. Just to give you an idea of how small this city actually is, in 2010, the population was nearly at just under 3,000. Locals of the city describe it as a place where everyone knows everyone. If there was someone new in town, they would surely know it. They describe it as both a good thing and a bad thing. This is a community where it was not uncommon to leave doors unlocked throughout the night. They described the community as very safe, which is partly why everyone was so incredibly shocked when this case happened. 
In Delphi, there were two families who would later become victims of a horrible tragedy. These families are the Williams and the Germans. Two eighth graders, Liberty German, just 14 years old, and Abigail Williams, just 13 years old, Libby was very outgoing and outspoken, while Abby was a little quieter and reserved. They were both in school activities together, such as sports and band, which ultimately they grew closer and soon they were gonna be the best of friends. The two girls were very artistic and they loved art and photography. And actually, the night before this tragedy took place, the girls were actually painting. On February 13th, 2017, the girls had a day off of school. The two girls didn't know exactly what they wanted to do on their day off, but they knew they wanted to do something instead of just staying at home. They actually helped Libby's grandmother with some business stuff that morning and then they painted. Libby's dad also made them a breakfast, so all around it was going as a great morning. Libby's sister, Kelsey, who was just 17 years old at the time, dropped the girls off at Monin High Bridge at 1.35 p.m., which was Monin High Bridge, it was one of Delphi's historic trails. Going to the trails was kind of a last minute idea that day. Libby wanted Kelsey to go with them to the trails, but Kelsey had to work that day and she was gonna hang out with her boyfriend, Chase, so she said she couldn't, but she told Libby that she would take them to the trail as long as they could find a ride home. And Libby's dad actually volunteered to pick them up later that day. The main reason for going to the trail was to take some pictures, which if you saw pictures of this trail, you would surely understand. It's absolutely gorgeous. And especially if you're into photography, there was an old railroad track bridge going across some water, which wasn't really safe to go on, but people still went on it a little bit to take pictures because it did make for really good pictures. Libby and Kelsey exchanged I love yous before Kelsey drove off. And approximately at 2.07, Libby posted a picture of Abby on Snapchat. Abby was seen walking on the railroad tracks and she also saved a video of a man wearing a navy blue jacket with a tan colored hat walking towards them. This video did end up going viral in February of 2017. Libby's dad arrived around 3.30 p.m. at a specific meeting spot that they had. So 3.30 rolls around and the girls never showed up. Derek, who is Libby's dad, ended up calling Libby a few times, but he did not get an answer. At around 4.12, Kelsey's grandmother called her a couple of times. Kelsey didn't hear her phone go off, but once she noticed the multiple missed calls, she decided to call her grandma back because her grandma normally doesn't call more than once. When her grandma picked up, the first thing she said was, have you heard from Libby and Abby? Kelsey called her work and told them she couldn't come in, that she needed to help find her sister. So she went to High Bridge and immediately began searching for the girls. At around 4.30, they began searching the trails. At this point, no one knows what's going on. Maybe the girls got lost and couldn't find their way back. Maybe they lost a phone. I mean, who knows what is going on at this point. Eventually, Kelsey and her uncle decided to cross the bridge at the trails and go towards the private drive to see if the girls were there. It's now starting to get dark and the German family is having no luck in finding the girls. So they decided to head back and alert the police because something was seriously wrong. So now the police and family are all searching for the girls and were searching till about midnight and then decided to wait till morning when they had more light. The family was absolutely devastated when they had to stop searching for the girls because they knew that they were out there. They didn't know if they were hurt or if they were in trouble. They didn't know what's going on and their mind, of course, is racing to the absolute worst. 
the community started forming search parties to help find the girls. I mean, people from all over were joining to help. From other cities, other states, I mean, you name it. Now, at this point, the police said that they had no reason to believe that there was foul play involved. They said that the girls probably just ran away. And this was absolutely devastating for the family to hear. And at 7 a.m. on the 14th, they all met at a fire station to begin the search. They were all put into groups and sent to different areas to search. They had cadaver dogs, drones, and even a diver team to search the creek underneath the bridge. They tried to track the girls' phones, but got nothing from that. Police actually believe that they were turned off right after they went missing. There were really no witnesses. I mean, there was one woman that said she was on the bridge right after the girls went missing, and she didn't see anything suspicious or out of the ordinary. They started looking under the bridge, and as soon as a team got back from searching the private drive, someone yelled that they found a shoe. Now, the advantage that Kelsey had was she dropped the girls off, so she knew exactly what the girls were wearing. Kelsey knew exactly whose shoe it was when they yelled what type it was. And not long after, they sadly found the girls' bodies. The girls were found about a half a mile from the bridge and actually on a private property line. Kelsey said she doesn't remember much from this point to the funeral other than countless interviews, reporters showing up the house, and people bringing over meals for them. This obviously devastated the family. Kelsey said that she was scared to talk to any of her family members about it because they were all hurting just as bad as she was and she didn't want to make it worse. As you can probably guess, Kelsey was scared out of her mind knowing that there was someone harmful out there and close by. The passing of Libby and Abby shook the entire community. There were vigils that were held and actually the school took extra steps to make sure the students were being comforted too by providing counselors for them. The autopsies later confirmed that the two girls were victims of double homicide. So clearly foul play was involved and the girls weren't just runaways like the police were suggesting in the beginning. Kelsey trusted the police more than anything with this and in hopes to find the person responsible for this crime. At times, Kelsey felt like the police were looking at her as a suspect since she was the last known person to see the girls alive. She said this was one of the most defeating things. On February 15th, they released the snapshot of the man to the public. Of course, in order to get the guy to come forward at first, they just said that they wanted to speak with this man to see if he knew anything about the murders. If he saw anything suspicious or just something to lure this guy in from the woodworks. This man never came forward and on the 19th, the police announced that this man was their main suspect in the case. This man has still never come forward and never been found. The video I mentioned earlier, which was also the original copy of where the snapshot came from, you can hear the man saying, down the hill. The police also found a recording of the girls talking about a man who was following them. But due to a possible trial, the police have not released this video to the public. The girls were known for being into true crime, so the police believe that this was the girls' way of solving their own murders. The police do believe that the girls were afraid of this man and, and that they were purposely recording him. The police have also said there is additional information that was found on the phone, but again, they won't release it in case this does go to a trial. This case happened in 2017 and there still have been no major leads in this case. The police released several sketches of this man based on the video that they have of him, which is super grainy, so it's kind of hard to get an accurate sketch. 
In the video, the man looked like he had a prosthetic leg due to the way he was walking. People do say that it can be due to the fact that he is walking on an old railroad track, but if you ask me, it looks like he is picking his leg up in a way someone with a prosthetic leg would. Go to my Instagram or Twitter to see the video. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. The property owner of which the girl's bodies were found on is active in the case, but police say he is not a suspect. They believe the suspect is around 220 pounds and had reddish brown hair. In January 2018, a new law came effect into Indiana, which basically said police can take DNA samples from anyone who was arrested for a felony case. Those samples are then tested on national databases, such as like GEDmatch or something like that. September of 2017, police arrested a man named Daniel Nations. This man is a registered sex offender from Indiana, but was arrested in Colorado. He was arrested for threatening strangers on a hiking trail with a hatchet in Colorado. Per the Indiana police, not much information was released on this guy. He is currently on probation in Colorado Springs and to regain custody of his two children. Months later, the Indiana State Police would confirm that they do not consider Nations a suspect of the Delphi killings. He says he didn't learn about the murders until he was in Teller County Jail, and news broke that Indiana State Police were on their way to question him in the deaths of Delphi teens Libby and Abby. In an interview, he said, I'm not what they made me out to be, his voice catching as if he lifted his eyes to the ceiling in an effort not to cry, and he denies the crime of killing these two girls. Charles Eldridge, a man arrested in Union City for child molestation and child solicitation in January 2019. He was arrested because he resembles the sketch from the Delphi case. According to a recent statement by police, there is zero evidence to connect him to the case and he is not a suspect at this time. Thomas Bruce, who is a pastor and was charged with fatally shooting a woman and sexually assaulting two others in St. Louis. Bruce was charged with 17 felony accounts. However, they have not connected him to the Delphi murders. Since then, the first sketch they released, police said they consider him a suspect, but they released a new sketch saying they believe this is their primary suspect. Police say this person may range between his 20s to 40s and that he may look younger than his age. They also believe that the killer is currently living in Delphi. Superintendent Douglas Carter says at a news conference, we believe you are hiding in plain sight and even may be in this room. We have likely interviewed you or someone close to you. Police also found an abandoned car around the same time the crime took place. So they are looking for someone that could provide any information about the car or if anyone saw the people that the car belonged to. It still remains a mystery to the public on how Libby and Abby died. The police have sealed their autopsies so the public doesn't know exactly what happened to them. It was announced on August of 2017 that they are creating a memorial park for Abby and Libby as a way for them to always be remembered and they did it because the girls both love sports and activities. Three softball fields, an amphitheater, and a walking trail. There will also be a memorial path that will have the names of victims and family members that they want to remember. The reward money for finding the suspect is actually upwards to, I want to say about $240,000. So they did raise it pretty high.
All right, you guys. So that is the case on Libby and Abby, which is also known as the Delphi murders, or I think it's also the Snapchat killings is what it's also being referred to as. This case absolutely gets me. It breaks my heart. And it's honestly, it's kind of a weird one. Um, They have not released any information on how the girls died. They did seal their autopsies reports. And the public kind of finds that a little... um, they're a little iffy on it. The public, some people in the public think it's good, and some people believe that they should, you know, reveal that information just in case. Like, say this guy has this is not his first kill, and he's killed before. Maybe the public has something, you know, either a police force somewhere nearby or in another state. Um, I mean, most of their suspects did come from other states, or they committed crimes in other states as well. Um. Or if maybe, you know, someone knows something, if anybody knows anything, I encourage you to please contact the Indiana State Police or the, I also, I believe it's the Delphi. You can also contact the Delphi Police as well. Um, but the Indiana State Police, you might get, it It might be a little bit better to contact them. Um, I like, honestly, if you guys know anything about this case, if you guys either know somebody who did it, if you guys have an idea of who could have who could have done it if they look like the sketch or if they walk like the guy was walking in um the video I don't know if you guys have gone to my Instagram yet and saw that video that I posted um it it honestly it breaks my heart and to think that if maybe somebody did know something and they were keeping it in to protect somebody or or something um just think that two young girls 13 years old and 14 years old did get murdered by this man. And if you are withholding information, you technically are an accomplice to a crime. Just saying. Um, But I want to know what you guys think on this. It really breaks my heart. I honestly, I do believe that the last guy could have been responsible for it, the pastor guy, just because um, he... Thomas Bruce was his name. Just because he was charged with fatally shooting a woman. Now, we don't know to if, you know, obviously it wasn't self-defense, um, because he was charged with it. Um, also he did sexually assault two others in St. Louis. So I, there is that we don't know if the girls were sexually assaulted or anything like that. At least the public doesn't know. We don't know any of that information just because there is a possibility of them going to trial, which leads me to believe that the police have enough evidence for a trial. Now, do is it going to go to trial? I don't know. I sure hope so. Because if it goes to trial, you best believe that I will stay fully in the loop. Like I am in the loop with this case. I am doing as much as I can with victim advocacy. And I don't have a huge platform, but I do have a little bit of a platform, a little bit more than most, I guess you can say. Not most, some. Um, and I do want to use that for the good of being able to bring justice to Libby and Abby and bring closure to their families because you got to think like it's not just the two girls that were affected by this it's both of their families that were affected by this Kelsey German is just seems like the most sweetest amazing girl she um is on Twitter at uh I, I searched her up as Kelsey German hold up let me go into my Twitter and see um her exact username because I do want you guys to go ahead and find her on Twitter and then um, follow her. Her uh, Twitter handle is at Liberty G underscore sister. Um, I, I also have tweeted some of um, Kelsey's like retweeted some of her tweets. So if you go on my Twitter account, you can also probably find it there as well. But I do encourage you guys to go find her and follow her and to please 
do what you can in spreading the word. Right now, she is just asking people to retweet her pinned tweet and in a way to help find the um, killer. It's basically just got the information of when the girls were last seen, where they were last seen at, their names, um, and an email. If you have any tips, send um, to an email and the email is Abby and Libby tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F.com. Also, um, she does have the reward um, amount listed and she does have basic information about the case. Um, from my understanding, Kelsey doesn't know as much either. She's, it's not like she's like holding any information. Even if she is, I understand that because it is, you know, she is the immediate family of the, the victim. So she would know more information that she necessarily can't release to the public, but she does have really good information. And like, honestly, she right now from her tweets, what I see is that she's kind of at a a struggle of how to spread the word faster and to be more like, to reach more people. So that's why I'm asking you guys to please take this time and go to her Twitter, retweet her pin tweet. Also talk about this case, get the word out there. If you have anything, um, if you tweet anything, or if you're on Instagram or if you basically post anything about this case, use the hashtag Abby and Libby. Um, and then just try to get the word out. There is a website called abbyandlibby.org that I also encourage you guys to go to. I believe they also have a Facebook page as well, but I'm not sure what the Facebook page is. Um, yeah. So anyway, now that I just went into all that, I do, um, if there's anything I want my followers and the people that listen to my podcast to do is I want you guys to help be a part of finding somebody or finding out what happened to somebody or bringing just basically bringing justice because honestly it is up to us with social media nowadays it is incredible what us like normal people that don't have that aren't law enforcement or not like FBI or military or we're not like you know some type of investigators or scientists or anything like that um, lawyers, it, it we do still have a role that we can play, and that is finding out information that is out there. We can reach people from all over the entire world now with social media, which is absolutely insane. It is crazy that we can even do that. So we can help, and um, you out of like you can make a difference. And no matter what anybody tells you, just you retweeting something, a simple retweet. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of followers or not, or if you have, you know, if you're a person, like if you have a a persona, I guess you could say if you're somebody on social media, like it doesn't matter how, I guess, quote unquote, famous you are, you can still retweet something and somebody, one of your followers probably have never heard about the case and then they'll retweet it. And it's just like a domino effect. So I really encourage you guys to spread the word on this case to help Kelsey get answers because Kelsey can't do this alone. Um, I'm sure she does have help from her family and she, you know, law enforcement is still doing what they can. Um, but right now everything's kind of at a standstill with no major leads or nothing going on in the case. And that just breaks my heart because these two girls deserve justice, honestly, 100%. So it is up to us to help find answers. So anyway, now that I just went into that, um, if you guys can, again, I'm going to ask you to take this time to please rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to. And if you also want to follow me on Instagram at the Crime Bind Podcast or on Twitter at the Crime Bind PO1 and join the discussion and help play your part in victim advocacy, that would be absolutely amazing. Thank you guys all so much for watching. 
Thank you guys all so much for listening to this podcast episode. And I will talk to you guys in next week's podcast episode.